Time travel, sci-fi adventures, and risky rolls of the dice lie ahead. Hello, and welcome to Anywhere But Now, a Doctor Who actual play podcast. I'm your host and GM, Casey Jones. The next hour or so holds a thrilling adventure in time and space, so let's dive in. With me is the wonderful crew of our time-traveling machine. Playing the fixer is the wonderful Brand Osorio. Hello, Brand. Hello. And joining him for their very first adventure is Maeve Sullivan, played by the terrific Kate McCoyne. Welcome, Kate. Let's go. Later on, we'll be joined by guest NPC player, storyteller extraordinaire, Jack Shear. Yay! Are you guys excited? You feel that energy? Mm? Absolutely. Get ready for a collaborative, immersive storytelling experience, because that's what I've been bringing to tables for over 10 years. A bigger on the inside thank you to our listeners. Time is truly a gift, or it wouldn't be the present. We thank you for spending yours with us. If you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter at anywherebutnow underscore at the end. Links to everything in the doobly-doo. Stick around after the game for interviews with the players. Brought to you wherever you're listening in time and space, this is Anywhere But Now. Previously on Anywhere But Now. A tray with last night's dinner sits barely touched on the table by a notebook of cold leads on missing persons. We've got renovations coming up on Bishop Rock. Mayor wants someone to look up on it. Should be a nice little puff piece for you. Renovations on Bishop Rock. I have a lead on missing people all over the city, and you're giving me renovations? A server delivers a pair of plates and a to-go box to a pair of gentlemen. These gentlemen happen to be Time Lords. You have come up through the doctoral program on Gallifrey. This is quite literally your semester abroad. It's nice to know we've earned their trust. On the surface of the mirror, there appears to be a person, frozen, flat. You could very well be dealing with a two-dimensional creature, or more than one. Well, that's a might be terrifying. Vanity Glass is one of the larger industrial corners of New Key. I'm Maeve Sullivan. I'm a journalist here with the Chronicle. You say, hello, I'm from Glass and Safety. Don't worry. We're here to fix your problem. He is the auditor. And I'm just here to help out. Uh, you can just call me the fixer. So you audit the safety and you fix the glass? Yes. yes. <laughs> Turn towards the secretary, pull out the uh, psychic paper again, flip it open. You know why we're here. That is really good. Next time I'm just going to tell someone, you know why I'm here. What are you so worried about? Why are you standing behind a mirror? With the lamplight throwing more light in the corner. That's horrifying! And while you are focused on it, trying to communicate with it, the high hum whine of glass being pressured against picks up another one. The chalkboard rains dust and the dust flattens against the chalk. The words trapped here. Help us. Home. So while the fixer is trying to figure out how to talk to this thing with its affecting dust on a two-dimensional plane, his left hand drops to his side and it's still clutching silver orders. Maeve pulls one that does not look anything like the others out of the sheaf. An order of six ingots purchased from someone that is not their usual supplier at half the usual rate for what the ingots are worth. Yeah, they got a good deal on silver. I Do I recognize the name at all? The name is that of Mr. Shine, who is currently residing at the Fork and Whistle. Fork and Whistle. I may have a lead for us. I'm going to say with, with deep sincerity, I will do everything in my power to make sure that you are free and returned home. Please give us some time. We want to find the person who trapped you and sold you into this. Give me a presence and convince roll, please. You are at an advantage. So roll three dice and give us the best of two. 
Yay, we got a, a six, a two, and a one. So I'll definitely take the six and the two. And you said uh, presence and convince? Yes, please. So that's going to bring us up to a 13. The topmost Miram looks very skeptical at you until the auditor takes a step forward and says, he knows what he's talking about. We'll find you a way home. Before the hand recedes, chalk dust shimmers one more time and then back against the surface of the wall. Hurry hurts here. We will make sure that we do this as quick as possible. But two exterior of the glassworks, you guys exit the elevator with three surviving gentlemen. Nobody died up there, which is news. You step out into the cold air of winter in New Key in 1890 with the slips, the information. Give me an intuition roll, Fixer, please. Absolutely. Awareness and intuition or just intuition by itself? This is going to be awareness and intuition. Okay, cool. A 16. Mr. Bartholomew, the factory owner, is talking with a small handful of workers taking a break outside, getting some cold air on their skin before going back in. You let complete strangers walk their way onto my floor. What is wrong with you? And like he turns. Flip up the psychic paper and say, sir, he was following the law. And as I know, you want to as well. So yeah, the intuition role, you can tell that his biggest priority is getting rid of these things as soon as possible. Ooh, the intuition role is what cinches it for you. There could be a deal to be made here rather than a conflict. Oh, well, I have the perfect answer for that. Continuing with what I just said, immediately go into, we will have to confiscate these items, but don't worry, we will be paying you market price. The auditor steps up right next to you. Of course, there will be compensation for your workmen, for the mental anguish at work conditions that you've done nothing to fix. Bartholomew reddens and then blanches, snatches up the delivery reports, looks through them, hands them back, and says, where do you want them sent? Real fast, as we're on our way out, I look at them and go, this is a normal occurrence in glass and safety. It happens more often than you might think. Cut to the exterior of New Key as a very confused bunch of workmen now have unloaded these resealed, crated mirrors against a very small red watch repair shop nestled in between two buildings on this side of the street. Even the cases look like they won't fit if they're slid in one at a time through the doors of this watch repair shop with a simple sign over the door that reads, Quick Fix Time Repair. So, you're saying you want us to put this in there. It'll never fit. The auditor pulls out a five-pound note and hands it to the guy. He says, we'll take it from here. And he shoves the first crate. It disappears into the door. Fast forward five minutes as the last crate is slipped inside the TARDIS, and wouldn't you know it, this booth is parked just opposite the fork and whistle. You know, if I had known better, I wouldn't have thought all those would have fit in there. It's a pretty small booth. Important thing, walk over to the inside, that first inner door, and pull two of the uh, pocket watches off of the table, or however many pocket watches I need to, so that way we can give one to each one of the uh, workmen. <laughs> As a tip or something? As I hand it to them, I'd like to say, you've done some great work today. You should take a couple of days off. Are you trying to do the psychic-y thing that the doctor very seldom does, but actually can if anytime they choose? Don't you think she looks tired? Is that what you're trying to do right now? Oh, no, not at all. I'm kind of hoping that they take the clocks with them. So later on, if we need to uh, track them down due to any after effects from being exposed to this, we'll be able to find them pretty easily. Your feel the turn of the universe has not tweaked at all. The only physical subtraction you've witnessed was the flattening of that guy's thumbprint. Excellent. So no no other side effects to worry about. No, they would either be, oh, that was close, or they'd be dead. There is no in-between. So they get a wonderful week off, hopefully, yeah. when they end up hawking the uh, watches. The entirely sketchy temporary address of this very small proprietor of ingots a Mr. Trip Shine staying in the fork and whistle while you find people are here. As we head over, I say, should be easy enough to find him. I live in a flat upstairs. Oh, good. Do you know your neighbors? So you re-enter the fork and whistle. Most of the day has transpired. It is closer to dusk. Rosie is haranguing Billy to get the sheets upstairs. She is distracted. 
by a handsome gentleman sitting in a corner booth. I'm gonna walk up to Rosie and say, good afternoon, how are you? She says, it's been a strange day. God, why are they always Irish? <laughs> Rosie says it's been a difficult day. They've had their hands full, just trying to get a new mirror installed. Throws a thumb over her shoulder. What do you think? A new mirror. Does it look the same as the other mirrors we've seen today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything strange about it? Give me an awareness roll. <laughs> oh, it's not good. It's a seven. Can I spend a story point on that? You can spend a story point or two, yes. Your 30 minutes have elapsed, haven't they? Since you lost a point in awareness for... Yes. Yeah, it's been over half an hour. Yeah, you're back up to full there. Yeah, so th that's still... Your total is a seven? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... No, With a that's two a, and a one. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. No, that's, that's a miserable failure. If you spend two story points, you can get up to a yes, but... Uh, sure. I'll spend two story points on it. Okay. Yes, you can see the mirror, but you can't be 100% certain that your reflection is just your reflection looking back at you suspiciously. It looks like my reflection looks different than what I think I look like? No, it looks like you, because the light in here is low, you honestly can't tell if it's a second behind your reaction and you're being paranoid, or it is actually mirroring you a second too late. Rosie, can you do me a favor? What's that, love? It's a lovely mirror, but maybe cover it for now. What on earth are you talking about? Presence and convince roll, please. Convince her. Um, Jack, give me an awareness roll, please. Oh, and you are at advantage, Jack. You do have, you are at advantage. So roll three dice, please. Uh, it's a four and a two for a 12. All right. So, uh, rolling three, that would make two sixes. Oh, lovely. Okay. Plus my awareness of four. Yes. Quick sidebar, Jack, you are perfectly up to date on everything happening in the room. Okay. So yeah, with a 12 on the dice, since Rosie is actually predisposed to you, you pay your rent every month on time. She's like, you know, it's been a weird enough day. This thing has given me the creeps. And she snaps her fingers, Billy, laundry! And the boy who is neglected to take the fresh sheets upstairs all day, takes the top sheet and drapes it over the mirror, covering it completely. Hey, Fixer, give me an awareness and intuition roll, please. Yeah, we got a three and a five on the roll. Oh, the auditor just rolled snake eyes. He is now just blind in one eye for 30 minutes. That's great. Oh, no. Fixer, what was your total? Total was a 12. Do you want to spend a story point? Yes, please. As the mirror is being covered up by Billy and Rosie, you clock that the person over your shoulder in the corner booth is in fact watching you and is not surprised at all by anything going on right now. Okay, is this person uh, recognizable or memorable in any way? He's got a jawline for days. He's a rather dashing person. Okay, walk right up to the booth, slide into the booth uh, on the opposite side from him, okay. and say, a handsome and dashing fellow such as yourself look like you know what's going on. A person who gets things done. Am I right about that? Sounds like maybe uh, my reputation is clear. Smile ear to ear and say, Well, I'm sure with a storied reputation like yours, I should uh, have an aim to go along with this quite exquisite countenance. Oh, you're very kind. You can call me Trip Shine. A pleasure, Trip. What do you go by? Well, most of the people around here just call me the Fixer. I try to help out around here and there. Let me introduce you to someone absolutely wonderful. Motion for Maeve to come over. I walk over and like slide into the booth next to the Fixer. Allow me to introduce you to Trip Shine. Tell me he doesn't have a jaw that goes on for days. That is quite jaw. And your teeth are very white. I do try to maintain my appearance. I extend my hand over to Maeve. I take it and give it a little, you know, ladylike shake. <laughs> and I place my other hand on top and say, It is a real pleasure meeting you. The auditor clears his throat. Been in the silver business long, Mr. Shine. Now, what do you know what line of business I'm in at all? A rain of orders and deliveries fall to the tabletop along with the signed receipt from Mr. Bartholomew paying 
50 pence on the pound for half a dozen silver ingots from Shine Limited. I have two questions. One, did the name come first or the business? And two, do you know what's going on here? The name is just the name. As far as the business goes, you know, I'm not sure I'm comfortable talking to strangers about my comings and goings. We have already introduced ourselves, so we're hardly strangers, Mr. Shine. Plus, you've come with such a high recommendation. Yeah, but it, it, it seems to me that you're not very happy with me doing this. I don't think you're looking to buy. That's a very interesting posit. You see, we'd love to know where you got your wares from. I try to keep my clients safe. Since we've been talking about reputation, I can't just go blabbing other people's business. And that's sort of why we're talking to you quietly here. We don't want in any way to impinge upon your illustrious reputation. I'm a reporter, you see. I work for the Chronicle. And currently I'm investigating quite a few missing people. And unfortunately, all roads lead back to you and mirrors made with your silver. I'd hate to see anything happen to your reputation. Fixer, give me an intuition and awareness roll with a plus two for Field Turn of the Universe. Okay. So split down the middle, we got a six and a one to start off. Fourteen. That is not quite enough to suss out anything. May I pop a story point on? Can I give them a story point, actually? I don't think this particular one is one where Maeve can help out. Okay. Just because this is something that she would have no background in. It's the equivalent of running into a stranger with a tag on their jacket from a ski lodge. You know those little stubs that people hang on to? It's like that, but it's the smell. There's a new car smell clinging to trip shine that Fixer recognizes as short-range time travel. Hmm. But only short-range. Yeah. So, Trip. You seem like a person who has really, really good intentions. It would mean so much to me if we could simply find out where your supplier is from. Because if we can't find your supplier, then unfortunately, I guess Maeve would be forced to run an article about your company being associated with the unfortunate loss of so many factory workers' lives. And you shouldn't underestimate the readership of the Cork Street Chronicle. It is growing. <laughs> Right. This is what I'm waiting for. I don't know if you're going to believe this, but I'm a time traveler. Lean in, like, really deeply and say, tell me more. Oh, what? Here, let me show you. Roll up my sleeve. That's what we call a vortex manipulator. The most powerful form of time travel in all the universe. The auditor snorts. You exaggerate, Mr. Shine. I'm going to tap him on the leg and like, a, mm, don't do that. <laughs> don't demean Mr. Shine's way of travel. It is a very reasonable and honorable way of travel. I don't resent his conveyance. I resent his use of two-dimensional life forms in some sort of cat's paw. Whoa, I don't know anything about that. Awareness and intuition versus your presence and convince. Roll presence and convince for me, Trip. Four and a two on the dice. Same here! Four to two on the dice! Plus five, it's a 16. He does not believe you, but he does not have the gumption to call you out either. If you're able to handle all that, I'll tell you what's happened. I'm a time agent. Ooh! One of the best, a lot of people say. And I was tapped to come here to Cornwall this year, sell a few ingots, and... Tapped by whom? If you don't know, I'm not telling. Mr. Shine, there are people who have been hurt here. People who are missing and whose families want them back. Surely you can understand why we need the truth. Hey, there's something happening with that mirror. Maeve will turn around and look. My eyes will not leave him. <laughs> <laughs> Maeve has no idea what's going on. I drop it. The time agent opens his hand and reveals a dead man switch no bigger than a roll of quarters. A bright candy-like button on top, which he releases, chucks in the air, and smacks his vortex manipulator. Tripshine vanishes in a puff of new car smell and electricity seconds before a hum starts at one key and then 
settles into a hum that does not sound quite right as the air around you, a wall of thickened air, passes through the whole pub and continues to spread out through the windows outside. What was that? That's a very good question. Fixer, give me an awareness and technology roll. Plus two for time board. And uh, throw the Sonic on there as well. Okay, so we got a six and a one. A 16. Yeah, you have felt this sensation before, not often, and you didn't enjoy it. A time lock has activated. From the cheap special effect of the air thickening around you, odds are the generator is somewhere in the building. What was your role with the Sonic and the Time Lord and everything else? A 16. Yeah, you can't tell from here just how big it is, but a growing pit in your stomach lets you know that your TARDIS is not dematerializing anytime soon. Okay. The auditor's hand comes down on your shoulder and squeezes as a reaction. Oh no. Put my hand up on his hand and say, don't worry, it's going to be all right. What's going to be all right? What's happened? I think Mr. Shine might have been shining us on a little bit. I do wonder if he either didn't know his employer or didn't have an employer, if you take my meaning. What is Kate's reaction to watching a man vanish in front of her eyes? In shock. This has been the weirdest day of her life. And she's just like trying to get these people to tell her something that is going on. And none of them are saying anything that is useful. (laughs) All right, Fixer. You're going to stay here and you're going to answer a couple of questions for me. One, where did he go? Not here, which means whatever he left here for us is not going to be pleasant. We have larger problems than a disappeared agent. And he extends the last delivery notice. Mitchell delivered it today to Bishop Rock Lighthouse. Oh God, I think we need to go. I think we need to go right now. You hear murmurs from outside, confused murmurs. I think Maeve has exactly the right idea. You guys step out onto the streets of New Key. We will lie and say geographically the land is not flat. You are elevated enough that you can see the lighthouse off the rocks from here. It is about dark. Some strange emanation. It looks like it might be stretching out from the beam of light from the top of the lighthouse. Well, let's hope we can get there as fast as Mr. Shine can move, eh? Well, we won't be able to move with quite that alacrity, but I'm sure we can catch up to where we need to be. (laughs) The quick fix time repair booth is right there. We can't dematerialize, but that doesn't mean we can't take off. So, Maeve, you asked for some answers, yes? Yes, don't think you two are off the hook. Right this way. In the watch repair shop. We'll explain inside. (laughs) The fixer brings you through the booth of the watch repair shop. It is a watch repair shop inside with a little counter and little clocks and pocket watches dangling from chains in various states of repair and whatnot. And then there is a door to the back room. Fixer, would you please describe what is on the other side of that door? Absolutely. A room that is wide and spacious. Its walls have lots of glass piping of various sizes extending some from floor to ceiling, others in these Seussian loops and squiggles that seem to defy both physics and fluid dynamics. In the center of the room is a clear console with the light-up controls. A crystal-appointed wand built into the floor is a few feet away. The only thing that isn't clear in the room is a small table right next to a armchair with ottoman. On that small table is an espresso machine and a little bowl of walnuts. We are in the Fixer's TARDIS. The sounds coming from the main console are an alert. It is not a flat-out alarm, but it is an alert. Fixer, give me an awareness and technology roll, please. Hey, awareness and technology coming right up. Maeve is just standing in the doorway of the foyer, just like looking around, not quite sure what to do with this information. I'll be sitting at an 11 on this. You are able to read from the scanner that a time lock has been badly laid over the entirety of Cornwall, extending past its shores to the outer islands. Ooh, that's bad. This this watch shop, it was much smaller from the outside. Well, not the foyer. Is this trick? 
it's a realistic painting. I like put a hand out and try to find like where reality ends and the painting begins. There is no painting. I assure you I have only answers here. And maybe some more questions. You still aren't off the hook, but we have to go. Excellent point. The sensors are telling you it's going to be a bumpy ride. The time lock means you can't dematerialize, but this ship can still fly. Give me an ingenuity and transportation roll, Fixer, please, with uh, throw Time Lord on there as well. And the, the auditor is going to take a hand at the wheel. Ordinarily, I'm not supposed to help drive, but if he's going to cheat, why don't we? Yeah, you got a 17 with a and a three. That is mostly great news. So from the street, with absolutely no warning whatsoever, the quick fix time repair shop just swings off the ground and begins to spin and pinwheel on a vertical axis through the air. You hear a sharp as the ship flies a little too high and bounces off the fabric of the time lock. A light on the console goes dead spinning in the general direction of Bishop Rock. We are, however, going to need another roll to land safely. If you would be so kind as to give me ingenuity and transport again, please. Okay, not as good a roll, a three and a two, starting me as a five on the roll. That would be a uh, 11. Should I spend a story point on that? How many story points do you have right now? I only have two left. We barely get there in one piece. Hang on to those two story points, because you might need them. We land outside the Bishop Rock Lighthouse. It is not a pretty landing. It is not a gentle landing. One or two alarms are going off. The temporal check engine light, so to speak. Maeve is hanging onto the railing as they land, and she looks at the fixer and goes, Maybe uh, you need some more practice with this thing, huh? I am just learning. All right. Well, we're in one piece. They say any landing you can walk away from is a success. On the view screen is the lighthouse. Currently, the beam is spitting out to the Atlantic. You hear a shriek from above. A shadow in the shape of a person with arms and legs is distorted and bent and wrapped until it's the same five bits as a hand stretching out on a beam of light and just clawing around in what could be terror and frustration above. That is a most brilliant trap. A lonely scary off the western Cornish coast and the smallest island on earth with a building on it. Chill salt brine blows in on the Atlantic breeze. It is cold. A tower, 161 feet tall, stands on the rock, sending a powerful, for 1890, beam across the water. It may be a trick of the light, but is that a claw stretching from the beam? Can we make our way to the uh, to the lower level of the lighthouse without being caught in that sort of like arm beam grabbing thing? Yes. The arm reaching out has not decided to give itself an articulation point like an elbow. So it is basically just a straight arm. Picture a hole that someone has tried to reach a hand through, but they can't see what's on the far side. So they're just fumbling around. Only the hand is much too big. It's made out of flattened light with razor sharp edges before it slinks back behind the regular beam that is now spinning around the top of Bishop Rock. I hope Mitchell hasn't been caught in all this. Do you you think that's him? The delivery man? I know him. He's a friend. Does it look like Mitchell's arm? No, it does not. Mitchell's hat has blown free from the top floor and just falls at your feet. So it looks like he did the full job of getting it here. You don't know if he's upstairs. You know he's somewhere in there. Whether or not he's still three-dimensional remains to be seen. I pick up the hat to take with me. Mitchell loves that hat. (laughs) He does love that hat. He's terribly fond of it. Into the lighthouse. You walk into the lighthouse. The door is not locked because the island is literally the smallest one on Earth to feature a building. The feeling of flatness and terror pressed against the walls fills this column with dread. Inside, a keeper is dead, stretched flat on the stairs trying to flee. From the right perspective, it just looks like the lighthouse keeper has fallen down the stairs and needs to right himself. From every other angle, it looks like he has been painted across the stairs and will never get up again. 
Mitchell is cowering behind a sheet that was in the packing crate, and he's just gutted up like, like he's trying to hide from monsters under the bed. He is completely scared white, huddled on the stairs. What happened? Are you okay? Presence and convince, because right now he's in no fit state to speak. You will be at an advantage, though, because you do know him. Oh, yeah, now it's a 17. He snaps out of his fugue state enough to recognize that you're someone he knows, let alone an old friend. And a very cold, white hand reaches out and grips yours. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, me either. It's been a crazy day. But these two seem to have some idea what's going on. <laughs> Lean in and say, the despair you're feeling right now is simply a mirror of the poor despair that the creature up there is feeling. When you say mirror, he just shudders and pulls the sheet over his head. There, there. It's okay. We know. We know. It's going to be okay, Mitchell. It may not be okay. The air cracks. You hear a whine from above, a scraping sound. If you were inside a soda can being flattened, you might recognize the sound of the surface of the wall groaning in complaint against pressures it has absolutely no business resisting. The wall in front of you flattens. And instead of the gentle slope of a curved building, one side of it is a flat surface reaching down in the shape of a claw. It does not stay. It recedes again, but the whole building trembles. It cannot withstand this kind of stress if it does that much longer. Yell up to it. We're here to rescue you. We could put out the light. It could stop it for now or at least contain it. That is a brilliant idea. An awareness roll, please, and intuition. A 13 total. You are at an advantage because you are an investigative reporter, and an earlier double sixes did remind you that disappearances in the storage room stopped after they shuttered the windows. So yes, your idea of, right, the light, we need to take the light out. Behind the rush and roar of the waves crashing on the rocks and the squeal of air being flattened against its very nature above, you do actually make out the groan of a generator chuffing away upstairs. The Foreland Lighthouse was the first tower to successfully use electric light in 1875. That is a full 15 years before this. There is a generator on hand, generating enough electricity to make this work. The 13 is enough to find it. You hear the, the whir of the generator upstairs. They shuttered the room and the attack stopped. If we take out the light and turn off the generator, perhaps we can stop most of the damage. That would make a lot of sense. I assume the poor victim is still up there in whatever mirror they installed up in the lighthouse. Oh God, we should hurry. Give me a coordination roll, everybody. Coordination and athletics, because the building is not as stable as it ought to be. Okay, well the auditor didn't fall off his feet. That's good. I might have. I got a six and a one for a nine. A nine is not great. The auditor rolled well enough that I think he can catch you and, like, prop you if you're, like, having a trouble with one or two of the stairs. Fixer, what did you roll in coordination and athletics? Four and a three, so I'm starting at a seven, and uh, that'll bring me up to a 12. Yeah, nobody is super stable on their feet, but the fact that there's still a hand railing in here certainly helps. You make your way up to the second story of the lighthouse where you find the generator running away. The building continues up another flight to the top story. Another shadow spills down the curve of the wall. Someone fleeing, but the shadow is all that remains of them. Turn to Maven and say, if this is the generator. Shut it down. That would be an ingenuity and technology roll. And toss the sonic on there. Going to be a 14, 15, 16, 16 total. A 16 is more than enough to deactivate a 19th century generator. Well done. <laughs> And yeah, you are able to deactivate the generator and it just slowly... And the light up above swells and then is no more. We should move quickly, Maeve. There is a chance that because we've shut this down that nearby boats might actually run aground. The foghorn is still blowing about once a minute. But yes, the sooner that the, <laughs> the lighthouse can have the lights back on, the better. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems important. We should go head upstairs to see if we can find that uh, mirror. 
on the top floor, there is a glass cage roughly uh, nine feet around and extends from the floor to the ceiling. It houses the light inside. The Fresnel lens cage is open. Inside, you can see a reflector, a curved dish that has been cast and poured specifically for this place slowly comes to a halt, but you can see inside the reflector the warped concave reflections of the two lighthouse workers. The reflections are out of their minds with fear. This is a contested scene, beginning with talkers, followed by movers, doers, and attackers. In terms of communication, right now all you're getting is that wet squeak, that scrubbing, squeaking fricative of this thing pressing against the glass. The last of the bulb goes from yellow to orange to completely off. We're here to rescue you. Keep calm. We're going to bring you back to your home. Presence and convince. At a disadvantage because this thing is in a state of peak. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so I got a two, a three, and a five. So my lowest tour is going to be a, the two and the three. Okay, and that'll only bring me up to a 10. The Miram rolled an 11, and one of those was a 6, even without checking the rest of the stats for the Miram. So your first attempt at calming him did not work. You said there's, like, um, a hand reaching out on the floor? Yes, when the light was on, the beam of light carried a hand that did some damage on the peripheral. The hand is not currently present with the light off. The Miram needs the actual beam of light in order to transfer mass from the thing it's reflecting and touching. I see. It's currently taking the shape of the two workers and their images are sloshing together into this new confused state that eventually, while still horrifying, but it is actually still stuck to the mirror. So that's something. I know you're scared and I know it hurts, but we really are here to help. We're not going to hurt you anymore. We're going to try to get you out of there. Kate, what is your story point situation? I have three story points, and I will spend one here, or more, if I'm allowed. Yeah, if you wanted to spend all three... Spend all three. When you speak, wearing an outfit from the same time zone that this thing is already absorbed, your patent sincerity has broken through the din of this thing's fear. The mirrors are listening to you. The floor, littered with dust, a single finger of flat reflection spills down the bottom of the reflector. It is mounted. The reflector does not go all the way to the floor. It is about three feet by six feet and about three feet off the ground on a rotating mechanism it can be removed from. A finger of flattened distortion reaches the floor and the dust caking it. The word help flattens through the dust. Look at the fixer and say, please tell me you figured something out. Before I answer that, I have to ask a question about knowledge I may have picked up in the doctoral program. Is there any way to, uh, to, to save the people who have been taken by, this, by these types of beings? Living beings have never been pulled back from dimensional flatness. Inanimate objects have been restored before, but only when the two-dimensional monsters were deliberately trying to inflate something. So yes, good question. Uh, no, it, it, you have never heard of any living people revived from flatness. We want to bring you home. We only need know where we need to take you, and I will take you there now. Okay. Here is what you see on the dust. From overhead, looking down at it, it just looks like nothing. It looks like gradient lines in dust. But as you lay your eye down to the floor... To, to see it from as flat a perspective as possible, it gives you information that you can feed into the TARDIS as coordinates. Excellent. Turn to Maeve and say, you single-handedly just saved every one of this species currently trapped on this planet. You deserve to give yourself some credit and some kudos. Thank you. And uh, what about the people? The auditor dips his head. Yeah. Well, the good news is no one else was hurt. They're just gone. Forever. How many victims in total was it? The irony of trying to gear up to some kind of sensitive message about they're not really gone. We carry them with us the rest of our days. Like, how many specifically were murdered? (laughs) 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 Comedy. Fast forward to the morning. Mitchell holds his first ever espresso 
in confusion on the back of his wagon. The reflector has been removed from the lighthouse and brought back across the water on a boat along with your booth. The TARDIS was not in flying state following it, but it was small enough that it could get a ride back to shore. Mitchell is sitting on the back of his wagon here since last night as the auditor and the fixer do that really awkward moving an object through a skinnier doorway than it should fit in the background while Mitchell sits with Kate on the back of his wagon. I've never seen anything like that. Not ever. Not once. Me either, to be honest. It's pretty weird. I don't, I don't know that I like weird. I think I might. A look on Mitchell's face. You've seen it on his face any number of times on a long night trading pints at the Fork and Whistle after a long week's work. He has known you long enough to know that you have never really belonged in New Key. He shakes his head. Yeah, I figured. You always did burn a bit too brightly for this place. He does nudge you with an elbow. He's like, oh, could afford to take a few days off work. You mind if I uh, crash at your room? I understand you're paid up. Take it as long as you need. I am sure I'll be back. Nothing will change, right? Still pals? Still pals. He gives you one of those palms together clasps that's not romantic. It's just you guys have been friends forever. And it's like, no, sure. Fixer and the auditor come out of the booth with the suspicious body language of, we weren't doing anything in there, you don't know, and we're not explaining anything to this Luddite from 1890 either. Mitchell leans over and says, don't let those two take you nowhere you can't come back from, yeah? I'll always come back. Cut to inside the TARDIS and May shutting the door behind her. The auditor and the fixer are at the console. One of the lights is still off but the scanners at least are working. The auditor is taking a look at the scanners and gowling. That time lock we've bumped against, not quite one of ours. I think we might actually be able to deactivate it if we're careful enough. Not one of ours? Huh, interesting. Imagine you're at a car show. Someone turns on the engine of a car from a line you're very familiar with and it purrs like a kitten. Now imagine a knockoff, and they turn the engine, and the hum is askew from what your ears expect. That is the hum, that not quite right hum you heard when the time lock first triggered. Does it sound more like something that someone jury-rigged themselves, or does it seem more like a, uh, a technology that we're just not aware of yet? From what you can tell on the scanners, it, it might be a bad copy. It might be a cheap copy of Time Lord schematics. The auditor notices that the fixer has taken out a small booklet and the troubled expression on the fixer's face as he makes notes. How are you doing? Truth be told, I'm doing better than uh, that one, or that one, or that one, or that one, or that one. Are you actually calculating the people you did not save? Somebody has to keep track of these things. Gently as he can, the auditor shuts the book in the fixer's hand. It's not always about undoing what's been done. Sometimes it's just about helping whoever's left, and you've done that. Off to the side are mirrors leaned against each other like books that are quiet. The reflector is empty and blank. Using the TARDIS force fields and the math transcribed from flattened images, you have been able to dismiss them back to the second dimension. You helped them. You saved lives. Yes, and, and they'll be able to return to their families, to their lives, to their communities. And every one of these marks is uh, one whole in a family or in a community that won't be fixed. Focusing on where we slip can be useful in moderation. I don't want you to lose focus of helping in light of those we've lost. Take that moment to walk over to the espresso machine, grab three cups of espresso, pass one to Maeve, pass one to the auditor, and say uh, to being better next time. The fresh opportunities. You know, we never did find out who sold Mr. Shine that silver, and I can't really write my story without knowing that. It's pretty key. That would be an important part of the story. We wouldn't want to lay blame at the wrong feet. The auditor idly polishes some buttons on the console, 
trying not to be too pleased with the eagerness of this companion. It might take some time. You never know. I'm sure no one will miss me. I can take a holiday. Fixer, give me an ingenuity roll real quick and don't get a snake eyes. This is a advantage roll, so three dice. Ingenuity, technology. Yeah. We got a five, a five, and a four. So I will take the double fives. Beautiful. So that with your ingenuity, tech, and Time Lord training are enough. Hey, yeah, it's at least an 18 at that point. Yeah, you push the right buttons and pull the lever, and the semi-quiet alarm that's been going on in the background fades out. The scanner shows you that the time lock has been deactivated. You can safely take off and dematerialize from here. Oh, me, ready to get to the real bottom of this story? Always. Activate the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. That is the conclusion of our first game through the looking glass. Thank you so much, Fixer and Kate, for playing anywhere but now. Kudos to the both of you. This creature, the Miram, is a cousin of the Boneless with some slightly tweaked stats. You did beautifully actually trying to talk to the creature instead of just attacking. In other hands, this could have gone very differently, and I'm, I'm delighted to see that it did not. The, you know why we're here. Mwah. Just beautiful. I loved that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But no, Kate McCoy, fantastic job as a companion. Amazing job. Amazing Talking job. to people, investigating. This is the good stuff a companion does. It's great. I love that that uh, undercurrent of being on the case the entire time, being on, like, trying to get down to the scoop, it, it came across the entire time, and it was wonderful. Thank you. I really loved the whole glass and safety thing was, like, killing me the entire time. Every single, like, transparent joke was, honestly, I was dying over here. <laughs> I am so happy you like that, because I was, there was moments there where I'm like, oh, God, I hope I'm not do going over, over the top on that. <laughs> no, it was very funny. <laughs> I kept wanting to, like, react more, but I didn't want to, like, take too much away from what was going on, so I felt it was better to, like, let it sit. <laughs> but, yeah, the Fixer cares, and that's gonna come in handy when I destroy him. <laughs> I <know>. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really sweet. I love that, and I love how much the Fixer just really cares about everything that's going on and wants the best possible outcome every time. It, it is such a doomed pursuit, but it's going to be so fun to, doing that pursuit. <laughs> Those are the best ones. The ones where you can kind of like torture your character a little bit. It's drama and I love it. <laughs> you guys have been delightful. Our next game will bring in our third player, our third regular player and second companion. Excellent. But yeah, the setting up of a mod about which you know nothing went a lot more smoothly than some mods of like, well, this is the title and, you know, they get to see the art in advance and whatnot. And they like, they start with preconceived notions about what they're stepping into. And this feels so much more organic, more like an actual episode. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And that photo of the, the Mirren, mm -hmm. that was genuinely terrifying. <laughs> Genuine nightmare fuel. Yay. Yeah, no, one of my favorite things about this game not just this mod, but this game, is the ability to create moments of palpable terror. Hide behind the sofa bits in an episode of Doctor Who. There's a needle to thread between scary and pants-wetting horror, and, like, we go for, you know, not quite pants-wetting horror. But, uh, yeah, the Miram are just the first out of the gate. Yay! This has been a delight for me. It feels a bit like the show because we're telling stories together. And when your characters have an emotional response to the things in front of them, that will carry over to the listener. And that delights me. Yeah, it does feel like being on an episode. It's been really fun. <laughs> Yay! Oh, yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Excellent time. And, and both of you were just amazing. All the kudos, all the credit, all the love. Yeah, I mean, this is amazing. <laughs> This is a great group. I'm really happy to see great GM, like great players. It's, it's got everything. I do apologize for the terrible Cornwall accents. Anyway, 
Folks, that was Through the Looking Glass. I'd love to go around the table, really introduce our team, and deal out precious, tasty experience points. Kate, without spoiling anything, what drew you to this particular idea for a PC? I really like the idea of telling a story about somebody who doesn't belong in the world they're in and who finds a place to belong somewhere else. Beautiful. Fantastic. Brand. Yeah. What is something you're looking forward to about playing your very own Time Lord? Oh my, I have to say, so far, the thing I was looking most forward to coming in was the interactions with the companions, and that has been amazing. In addition to that, I think I'm really, really looking forward to walking this path and figuring out at the end, like, is the fixer going to come to terms with the fact that they can't really fix everything, that there are things out there that are, that are beyond our control? Mm-hmm. And at what point do they reach balance on that topic? And all the crazy that can come in between. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a really good point. There won't always be everybody lives yeah. endings. They will be outnumbered by the, whew, well, we were lucky to get out of there, moments. And that's wonderfully like real life. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of those like really penultimate human struggles is sort of coming to terms with the things that are outside of our control, even if we have, you know, the ability to travel through time at a whim. <laughs> that's right. I will award you both two experience points for today's game, in addition to uh, your story points filling back up to five for the start of the next mod. Experience points will be spent in the future, dear listeners, on the acquisition of new gadgets and traits and the improvement of skills and attributes over time. They will not be cheap, but the game will be challenging, so you'll keep earning points. Excellent. Excellent. Also, kudos to both of you for sticking to your short-term goals. That's one of my favorite updates of the second edition from Cubicle 7. Having that thing in mind, well, this is what I'm focusing on right now, and this is what I'm focusing on long-term, really helps streamline and simplify what a character could be thinking about, you know? Absolutely. I found it to be an incredibly useful tool really helps direct your decisions in these moments where uh, there might be shiny all over the place to get, grab your attention, but you go, okay, well, this thing is so, it has that importance level to me, and I, I want to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy to walk into a room and, like, there's so much to do, but, like, realizing that, like, your characters be focused on, like, how do I file my next story is definitely it focuses you on what you want to do next as a player. Don't worry, you will have more opportunities to report stories in the future. And finally, to our listeners, another great big thank you for sharing your precious time with us. If you feel it's been well spent, please share anywhere but now with your friends who are looking to enjoy themselves. Feel free to leave a like or a comment. Follow us on Twitter at anywherebutnow underscore at the end, and wherever you get your podcasts. Links to everything in the doobly-doo. From all of us, I'm Casey Jones. Thank you so much, and have a great day. (laughs) 